Welcome to the Heart of Rural America podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Radke, a South Dakota cattle rancher, wife, mom of four, children's book author, and motivational speaker. I've started this show with a simple goal in mind, to share the untold stories of the often overlooked independent farmer and rancher. On this program, we'll discuss the challenges that face rural America today, as well as the anti-animal agriculture agenda that seeks to eliminate our way of life. And in the face of these ongoing battles, we'll also explore impactful solutions and meaningful pathways to profitability in order to keep producers on the land, to safeguard our private property rights, and to keep meat, dairy, and eggs on the dinner table. And in stark contrast to the ugly, divisive headlines in today's mainstream media, the heart of rural America will celebrate the faith, family values, patriotism, and work ethic of the incredible people I meet in my travels as an agriculture speaker. I hope you'll be inspired by these agricultural entrepreneurs, leaders, and rural families just as I am. Now let's hit the dusty trail together as we uncover the heart of rural America. It's Amanda Radke, and we're back for episode two of the Heart of Rural America podcast. We are just getting rolling, my friends, and there is so much ground I want to cover with you. I am on the road again this week speaking at the Arkansas Cattlemen's Association. It is a crazy busy week around here. Full disclosure, there's just never not something going on in the Radke family. So I'm really struggling as a mom today. Uh, My daughter is headed to the South Dakota Summer Spotlight with her steer coyote. And I had booked this event a long time ago. So my commitments for the speaking engagement overlapped this cattle show. And I would love to hear from you how you deal with, you know, mom guilt and missing out on things at times. I want to be there to support my kids. And we're very real with them. I'll, I'll tell them, you know, mom's going to a speech uh, to help pay the bills, to allow you to be able to show cattle. And so we, my husband Tyler and I are very firm in not putting rose-colored glasses on the beef cattle industry. We want our kids to know very clearly what it takes to be involved in cattle production, in the production agriculture world the sacrifices and the costs that go with it. I mean, it's a great way to raise kids. It's a great way to uh, live. I I wouldn't want to do anything else. It is my passion. It is my love. Um, it's, It's what my husband and I share together that we love to do together. And it's a great setting to raise kids. But there is guilt with that. So missing my daughter's show today is pretty tough. And so I find myself once again sitting in a hotel room And (laughs) it seems to be the only time I have a a spare minute of quiet and silence to put together a 30-minute show. And so this might be my new routine as I'm on the road. And I'm excited to be here in Arkansas. It's going to be a great event. You know, I always say, wherever you are, be there. And so I'm here all in, going to be watching my daughter on FaceTime later, but very excited to spend some time with these producers here in Arkansas. And if you listen to the pilot episode, episode one, where I share kind of the goal of this podcast, let me just reiterate it to you. 
you know, when I'm on the road speaking at these events, it's a great, you know, it's, it's a great business for me. I, I have a message that I believe strongly in and I enjoy doing it. And I feel like that's what I was made to do with my life since I been speaking since I was a little kid competitively and just always loved it. And so this is a dream come true for me. Uh, but it does take its toll. And, and oftentimes I wrestle with, you know, is it worth it being on the road? And yet, like I said, in the last episode, meeting these incredible people who live across this great country that we call home, you inspire me, you lift me up, you give me hope for a brighter future. When I go to these events, we still pray before we eat. We still stand for the flag and sing the national anthem. People still come together and you see gentlemen opening the doors. You see women hugging each other, embracing each other, sometimes with tears of sadness and sometimes with tears of joy. Because production agriculture is not an easy life, but it is in this camaraderie that we share, this fellowship that we share that when I hear your stories and I get to listen to the progressive things that you're doing to create new opportunities for your next generation in agriculture, man, I just bottle all of that up with me and I take it home with me to apply to my own life. And it's on these trips as I'm headed home and it never fails. Someone just presses something on my heart that I pray about, that I wrestle over, that I talk to God about, that that touches me in such a way that it is transformative. And it's, I've always thought what a shame it is that other people don't get to hear these stories. And I've written about some of these transformative stories on my column, the Radke Report, that you can read at amandaradke.com. But there's nothing quite like hearing the story in firsthand examples and firsthand person. And so that's what the, the goal of this show is, is to tell the first person accounts of the people, the places, the adventures, the experiences, the great people that make up this country. Now on the flip side, I must say that our adversaries are great. You guys know it. I know it. We see it every day in the news. Uh, the headlines can weigh heavy on you at times, can't they? Where you read these news headlines and you just think, is this the country I live in? Are we in a banana republic right now? Is this really how policymakers see the world? Don't they understand that their climate change agendas are leading us to a path of epic starvation where people around the world are going to suffer in the name of reducing methanes by a minuscule percent? And how arrogant of us it is to think that men can alter the planet and its patterns. I'm a Christian. I'm a proud Christian. And I, I worship the creator and not the creation. It doesn't mean I don't love God's creation and respect it and be a good steward of it. But it also means I'm not going to bow down to it. Because at the end of the day, it is its own religion. And the metrics that are being set for America's farmers and ranchers it's like we're, we're frogs boiling in the pot of water and it's increment by increment, slowly but surely they're chipping away at us. And, you know, I spoke at a dairy co-op meeting one time and the co-op buyer got up and for an hour, she talked to these dairy farmers about how they weren't green enough, how they weren't sustainable enough, how they were going to have to do all of these things, X, Y, Z, to prove 
that they were environmentally friendly or else, or else they wouldn't get their milk bought or else they couldn't be part of the co-op. And I just thought, what a shame it was. I bet if this lady told them that they had to jump on one leg and quack like a duck while they milked their cows, they're eventually at a point of control that that's going to be the case, that they would have to do it. They would have to comply in order to stay in business. And I don't know about you, but it's a shame. It's a shame that we live in this country where farmers and ranchers are held under captive control, either through coercion or threats or incentives where the devil is in the details. And that's what's going on in this country today, where our policymakers do not understand what's at stake, or maybe they do. But they're willing to throw it all away. They're willing to throw away our food security and our national security and create such a vulnerability within our population as our essentials of life become harder to get, more expensive, and less accessible to the people who need it most. And that's what I want to talk about today. You know, we have one minute before the commercial break, but the theme of the day is I want to talk about the fake meat trend. And how not only is it a scary sci-fi movie that's coming to life right before our very eyes, but it's also going to hurt the most vulnerable in our society, the poor and impoverished, the people who are living paycheck to paycheck. Those are the people that are going to be hit most with what's coming down the pipe. And these agricultural policies just separate the elitists from the very poor. And man, if you are rich enough to be able to enjoy a ribeye steak once in a while, man, you have won the lottery in life. But that's not the case for everybody. One in four kids goes to bed hungry at night in this country. And that's who I think about quite often as I see these politicians waxing poetic about climate change policies and tyrannical policies that aim to take away our private property rights. We're going to talk about that after we get back from this short break from our sponsors. I'm Amanda Radke. And this is the heart of rural America. The heart of rural America is presented to you by my dear friends at CK6 Consulting, a cattle business consulting service with a purebred Angus focus. I recently joined the CK6 crew and I would love to connect with you at an upcoming sale. Check out the sale calendar at ck6consulting.com to learn more about opportunities to invest in elite Angus genetics coming from our progressive and innovative clients who truly exemplify what it means to be the heart of rural America. And for all your semen needs, visit ck6source.com, an online stud service that features some of our clients' top performing bulls. Give Chris Earle, Wes Teeman, Cody Fleeman, or myself a call with any questions or business inquiries you may have. CK6 is all about families helping families, and I'm so proud and grateful to be a part of it. Now let's get back to the show. And we're back. I'm recording from Arkansas. I'm speaking at the Arkansas Cattlemen's Association later today. You know, I'm on the road quite a bit, and I'd love to meet you all on the dusty trail 
in my travels. If you're ever curious about where I'm going to be and if there's a public event coming up near you, I would love to connect with you on the road. You can check out my speaking schedule at amandaradke.com. Click on the speaking tab and you can see my schedule of events. So just really quickly after I get home, from Arkansas, I'll be speaking with the South Dakota Soybean Association and their Hungry for Truth Farm to Fork event in Valley Springs, South Dakota on August 3rd. I'll be at the Nebraska Women in Ag event in Blair, Nebraska on August 8th. I'll be headed to a North Carolina tobacco event um, on August 12th. Then I'll be headed to Dakota Fest with this show sponsor, Real Tough Livestock. I'll be in their booth on August 16th in Mitchell, South Dakota at the annual Dakota Fest. We'll be signing and selling books. Come see me. Check out the iconic green Real Tough equipment and, and say hi to the folks there. I'll be at the booth there in Mitchell at Dakota Fest. Then after that, I have a run in Illinois. I'm going to be at the Illinois Bankers Egg Banking Conference in Springfield on August 23rd. I'm going to be making some ranch visits with my friends at CK6 Consulting on the 24th and 25th. And then finally, and this is an open to the public event, but on August 26th, right before Labor Day and your state fair season, I'll be at the Genetic Allies Sale hosted by Mudge Farms. That's in LaSalle, Illinois open to the public. I'm speaking at 4 p.m. Then it's going to be an incredible sale with 80 lots uh, plus a meal and a concert afterwards. So come join us. Message me for details if you need more information. I would love to see you there or at one of the events down the road. But that's what the rest of the summer looks like for me. And now let's get back to the theme of the day. So we're talking about these climate change tyrants and how they're telling us that the cow is evil, that cow farts are destroying the planet, even though we know for a fact that total greenhouse gas emissions contributed by the U.S. beef industry is less than three and a half percent. And if every American were to go meatless on Mondays, it would reduce our carbon footprint by just 0.25 percent. And yet 40 percent of our food goes to waste in this country and ends up in landfills. And if we really want to change the climate by changing our dietary habits, instead of taking meat, dairy, and eggs off the dinner table, which are the most bioavailable nutrients, protein sources on planet Earth, instead of eliminating them from the diet, maybe we should respect the harvest and make sure that every American has access to safe and affordable food in this country and bridge the gap so that the one in four kids that goes to bed hungry at night has a full stomach and a decent meal to eat, to enjoy at schools. Maybe those are things we could focus on, but instead we're going to attack the cow and say cow farts are the problem. To which I say, the cow is an incredible machine. She was perfectly designed by God. There is not a single thing that she has to change in her design to be more climate friendly. And you know why I can say that? I can say that because as I look out my back window and I see these cattle grazing on my rolling South Dakota hills, I know that they're doing many, many things that are beneficial to the planet that you cannot recreate in a lab. I'm sorry, but you just can't. I know that those cows are protecting wildlife habitat because every time you have grass on the range, it's a home for rabbits and deer and fox and skunk and and gophers and prairie dogs and bees and butterflies and coyotes and deer. And the list goes on and on and on. I know that that cow is upcycling non-edible cellulosic material, which is grass. And she is 
converting it to nutrient-dense beef and 100-plus life-enriching byproducts that the synthetic replacements would be astronomically impactful to the environment. I know with every step she takes, she is aerating the soil with her hooves. I know with every bite of grass she takes, she is promoting, uh, she is reducing the spread of wildfires and she is promoting fresh growth of that grass. And she is nurturing those plants. Many of these native grasses have been on the range and my backyard, the rolling hills leading into the James River Valley, those grasses have been there for hundreds of years untouched and my cattle can maintain those grasses and protect them. And we can see biodiversity of the soil and the plants within those pastures like nothing else in the world. I know in many places like in a New Mexico desert, nothing else can grow there except for ruminant animals like cattle and sheep grazing on the land and converting it into protein sources for people. And the list goes on and on. The benefits goes on and on. I know that cattle consume byproducts of food production that would otherwise end up in landfills. And I know that the steak and the cheeseburger has 10 essential nutrients, including zinc, iron, and protein, B vitamins, and essential saturated fats that fuel healthy and growing bodies. And when you have healthy bodies and minds in the population, you're not taxing the health system, which is also costly and has an economic impact. Healthy people are good for the planet too. And yet, isn't that what it's all about? It's not really about eliminating cows, is it? It's about eliminating people. And we've had some politicians recently, Kamala Harris, slip a little bit about how we can save the planet with population control. So we are the carbon, unfortunately, that some of these politicians want to get rid of. And you may disagree with me on that, or you may think I am extrapolating things to create a narrative. But all you have to do is listen to the horse's mouth. And on that note, I want to tell you a story. I want to talk about how these fake meat companies are going around and investing in these products. And you can go to their websites, websites like Impossible Foods or Beyond Meat, and you can read their bios. And they don't say they want to compete with meat, dairy, and eggs. They want to replace it. They don't want to, they don't want to be next to us in the meat case because by golly, no one is going to pick their subpar products. They want to disrupt the meat case strip meat, dairy, and eggs off the dinner plate and be the only source of protein. In fact, the World Economic Forum has said quite plainly that in the next 10 years, 10 to 20 years, we will be eating fake alternative meats. It will just be the way of the world. That's just how it's going to be. And the consumers cannot say no thank you. It's going to be shoved down our throat. And so here's the story I want to tell you guys today. I was speaking at the Iowa Cattlemen's Association meeting a few years ago. What a great honor it is to be invited to speak these places. And I, right before I was to speak, was a really interesting presenter. I thought it was pretty edgy and pretty progressive and pretty bold for the cattlemen to invite this gentleman to come and speak that day. But he was an investor from Silicon Valley investing in, you guessed it, fake meat companies. Imagine this. A guy from Silicon Valley speaking to a group of cattle ranchers about why fake meat is a better ROI return on investment than traditional animal agriculture. Like, can you imagine it? 
it was wild. Like I was in shock that this was even on the agenda. And yet I'm so glad I was in the audience that day because here's what that gentleman said that I need all of you to know and understand. He got done speaking and I raised my hand and I said, I have a question for you. And he said, okay, what's up? And I said, well, I was just wondering, how can you make these claims on environmental stewardship and sustainability and having the advantage over traditional foods like beef on your labels and on your marketing? And do you know what he said to me? I'll tell you right when we get back from this break. <laughs> Is that a cliffhanger? Oh my gosh. I will tell you what this fake meat investor said right after we hear a great word from our sponsors. We'll be right back. Working cattle can be stressful at times, but the job is made so much easier with equipment that is safe, strong, and simply designed. I highly recommend Real Tough Livestock Equipment for all your working facility needs. We just installed the Deluxe Chute at Radke Landing Cattle, and it has been an absolute game changer as we run cows through our chute during AI season. It's durable and easy to use, and it's made to last a lifetime. Real Tough offers a wide range of products, including calving barns, panels, loading chutes, tubs, alleys, and portable working systems. Manufactured in the U.S. of A., Real Tough is family-owned and operated. Their commitment to helping farm and ranch families truly exemplifies what this show is all about. Learn more at realtough.com, that's T-U-F-F, -F, and be sure to tell them Amanda sent you to receive an extra bonus with your order. Let's get you some iconic green Real Tough equipment headed your way. I promise you're going to love it. And we're back. I'm Amanda Radke, and this is the final segment of episode two of the Heart of Rural America. And I left you with a little cliffhanger <laughs> there on the commercial break. Thanks to our sponsors, Real Tough, for being here and for helping to make this possible. But if you missed it, I was telling the story of a fake meat investor who spoke at the Iowa Cattlemen's Association meeting a few years ago where I was also a speaker. And I was slated to speak right after him. And when he got done doing his presentation and talking about the alphabet soup of companies that he had, had invested in that was going to shape the meat case for the better in the years to come. And my question to him was, how can you make these claims of sustainability and being the superior product in regards to the environment on your products when you have no science to back it up? I know the truth is on our side. I just do. There's no debating it. That's the thing. These folks are going to continue to say two plus two equals five. But the truth is on our side, my friends. We just have to scream it louder from the rooftops. So anyway, I asked him that question and he said to me, point blank, you ready for this? It's shocking. He told me, Amanda, I can't prove our sustainability claims to the consumer, but that's what they want to hear. So that's what we're going to tell them to get our return on our investment. Do you understand that? He's saying we don't have the facts and the science on our side, but we're going to use emotions to prey on our consumers in order to make a buck. That's what our animal rights activists do too. And here we are thinking that we can fight all this emotionalism with facts and science when the truth is, is we just have to become better at sharing our side of the story. And the way we share our side of the story is we bring the human element into it. We tell the story of the American farmer and rancher. 
and we talk about our boots on the ground experiences of doing the things we've done for generations, whether that's putting in water so that we can increase our grazing patterns on the range or doing rotational grazing or planting cover crops or mob grazing or all the things that we do in order to upcycle and best steward our natural resources and the environments that we have to work with in our operations. We just have to tell the story more from our firsthand perspective. And yet often we're silent on this. And yet I want you to understand what's going on here with these fake meat companies. They do not want to compete. They want to be the only option. And like a bad sci-fi movie, Fake meats are coming down the pike like a runaway train that cannot be stopped. You see it at the end of every grocery store aisle. You see it in the gas stations. You see these alternative products. And I don't see people buying them. I don't see people wanting them. And yet these investors must know something that we don't. Otherwise, they wouldn't keep pouring money into it. What they think is that the animal agriculture industry is dead. And it's only a matter of time before you and me hang up our cowboy hats for good and call it a day. Haul our cows to town and say it was a good run, boys. That's what they're betting on. That's what they're betting against. Don't believe me? All you have to do is see what's coming down the pike. First of all, we had an executive order that was paving the pathway for lab-cultured meats to enter the meat space. That was back in 2022. Now here we are 2023 and there is a company that has been approved to put its products in the American food supply here in the United States. So let me tell you about that. Here's some examples of what's going on. So the company that has its approval, it's in San Francisco. The company is Upside Foods and Good Meat and they have made chicken from cultivated cells that are officially allowed to be on the menu at this San Francisco restaurant, Bar Crent. In the UK, there's a company called Finnebroke. It has joined up with UK's leading cultivated meat company, Ivy, Ivy Farm Technologies, and they've signed a letter of intent with the aim of creating one of the world's first commercially available cultivated Wagyu beef burgers. We also have a new company that uses soybeans that they can grow to taste like pork. The company, and this is horrific. I'm sorry if you're a soybean farmer and if this is like a great opportunity for you. This is a perfect example of just because we can doesn't mean we should. And so here we are. Here's this company, Mulek, who has genetically engineered soybeans to make pig protein. They call their process molecular farming, and they bill it as an affordable way to make real animal protein without slaughtering animals. According to the article in Fast Company, if you cut open a new type of soybean, the inside is pink. It's the first demonstration of a new type of agriculture. The soy DNA has been genetically engineered to integrate DNA from a pig. Guys, I'm rendered speechless. Like, I just can't. I believe in food technology and I believe in becoming more efficient and using those technologies to produce more food while using fewer natural resources to feed a hungry and growing planet. And that's what people say to me. They say, Amanda, don't beat up on fake meat companies. They're going to help us feed the world. To which I want to say that is the most classist thing I've ever heard somebody say. It's so elitist to say, you know what, here in the United States, if you have money, you get to eat real beef. 
and real pork and real and real chicken and real eggs and real dairy. But you poor people around the world, we're going to send you stuff we make in a lab. Slime, lab slime. Is that okay with you? Just know. I believe every citizen on planet Earth deserves access to nourishing animal proteins grown on the hoof in the traditional manner. And if it's too expensive and costly, it's not the fault of America's farmers and ranchers. It is the fault of the policymakers who have made it nearly impossible for livestock producers to stay in business, especially the small ones, especially the ones not signing up for the handouts, and especially the ones that aren't bending the knee to these climate change tyrants. So I'd like to hear what you think. We're going to wrap the show today. I've definitely gone over time again. I try to keep it to 30 minutes to maximize your time and and get right to the point and to the nitty gritty of things. We're going to have some shows here with guests coming up very soon. I've got some great travels to some ranches and farms I'm going to be visiting and highlighting what some people are doing in rural America to inspire and motivate and renew and revitalize rural America. And so I'm excited to share those stories with you. But sound off to me. What do you think about all this fake meat business? I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'm Amanda Radke. Until next time, we'll see you on the Dusty Trail. This is the heart of rural America. Thank you for tuning into the show. If you found value in the message, I would be so grateful if you would subscribe and share to help spread the word. Until next time we meet on the Dusty Trail, I'm Amanda Radke, and this is the heart of rural America.